We live in a time when the world's largest transportation service does not own any vehicles. We live in a time when the largest hospitality organization does not own any hotel rooms. We live in a time of incredible business disruption, which is changing the entire way we think about and do business, which means we're alive in the greatest time in history. So here's the big question. How do everyday people like us who didn't grow up wealthy and were not taught how to be wealthy in school, how are we supposed to learn to think, invest, and grow wealth like the top 1% without compromising our ethics and our values? My name is Jeremy Whaley. That was my big question. This podcast will give you the answers. You're listening to Think Rich Radio. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Think Rich Radio. It's great to have you with me. As we jump into another hotly contested subject, why in the world I've decided to do all of these controversial ones at the beginning? I don't know. Maybe I just want to get them out of the way and uh, you know push everybody away before they start listening. I don't know. But today we're going to talk about education and the future of education. And we're going to start with a survey. The study shows 65%, 65% of second graders today will grow up to work in a career that does not presently exist. Now, there's been a few surveys about this, a few studies. Some of them show closer to 68%. Some of them are as low as 62 to 63%. But on average, the generally accepted number is 65% of second graders today will grow up to work in a career that does not presently exist. So the million-dollar question is this. How, then is the school system supposed to actually prepare these children to grow up for these said careers that do not yet exist? And I would propose to you, they can't. Now, obviously, we've got to ask ourselves if these studies are really true or if they're just made up, and I tend to believe the studies are probably pretty accurate. If I look at my own life, which is not scientific by any stretch of the imagination, but if I just look at my own career, I work primarily in a field that did not exist 20 years ago. When I was in college, I started college in 1995, and I remember going for my entrance exam or entrance interview, whatever they called that thing, and I sat down with the chairman of the music department, And he says to me, have you heard of this thing called the internet? It's changing the world. And I was like, no, no, never heard of this thing called the internet. And I had not. I had a computer at home, but we were not online. We did not have any clue what the internet was. America Online and all those, you know, surges of promotional materials that we would come to know so well, they had not started in 1995. It would be another year or two before they were making it into the mailboxes of every American across the continent. And when I think back to that time, you know, during those days, direct mail was still big. During those days, seminars in hotel rooms were still big. Today, the vast majority of the teaching, the training that I do is either through a medium like this, the podcast, or it's through webinars, which did not exist 20 years ago. The entire world of digital marketing did not exist 20 years ago. 
This is a new phenomenon, and this is just the beginning. Things are not slowing down. Things are speeding up. That's why I believe these studies are pretty accurate, which means if you have a child, which I do, I happen to have a second grader, and that means we got to rethink the entire education process. But I would submit to you, it's not just today. The education system may have never fully prepared us the way they claimed it did. I suppose I feel somewhat free to be critical of the education system because my family's part of it. Uh, For both sides of the family, on both sides of the family, mother's side and father's sides for multiple generations, we've got school teachers everywhere you look. Uh, Cousins are school teachers, aunts and uncles are school teachers. My own father is a college professor, has a couple of PhDs, of course I teach, not in the school system, but I teach online. And so I've been around the education world for quite some time. And I think if we're really honest with ourselves, we have to be candid and say the education system never really prepared us. The history of the education system comes out of John Rockefeller. Well, what was John Rockefeller's outcome? If you look at the original charter of the education system in the United States, it was to take rural Americans and educate them in a way that they could become useful citizens in the big city. That was the nature of education. That was the purpose of it. I guess they succeeded. There are really two schools of thought in terms of education. You have kind of the university higher level education world that for all these hundreds of years has been where the higher level philosophical thinking has taken place. And then you had the John Rockefeller education system that came into play. And what Rockefeller wanted to do is he he wanted to train rural Americans to work in the factories. And ultimately that led to more and more people in the cities, which, you know, led to more and more jobs in the city. And then of course we needed people to be able to work them. So I think there was a good purpose behind it. If I go back a couple hundred years or 150 years I think the original charter, the original intent of the education system probably worked somewhat well. But one thing the education system did not do, it did not teach everyday Americans how to think about finance. It did not teach everyday Americans how to be entrepreneurs. The traditional education system in the United States and probably around the world, I only know the one in America, but the traditional education system has taught us to go to school, get your degree, choose a career, and then go work for a job where you get a consistent paycheck and you know where the money's coming from. And yet the people who were writing the paychecks, the entrepreneurs, the business owners, they thought different. They thought different then, 200 years ago, 150 years ago, and they still are thinking different today. So the question then becomes, if we're going to compete, how do we have to think? I started college in the fall of 1995. Music major, Middle Tennessee State University. At that time, the only thing I was worried about is making it to class on time. But as we went through the education process as they started to condition us to what it means to be a college student. The overall message was you need to get the education so that you can be competitive against Americans. 
At least as recently as 1995, the school system clearly missed the boat. Maybe before that as well, but by 1995, they were still conditioning us and teaching us and training us that we needed to get better. We needed to have our college degrees so that we could compete against other Americans. They failed. Because the reality is, by the year 2000, when we were graduating, we were no longer competing against Americans, but rather, we were starting to compete against the entire world. There was no longer a 330 million person workplace, there was a 7 billion person workplace. And if you don't believe me, ask the millennials today. Millennials struggled to get work because they came out of their college careers, their college indoctrination, if you will, and they found out that they weren't competing for the new graphic design jobs in the marketplace, they were competing on the internet. They were competing on Fiverr, on 99designs, where I can now go on 99designs and for a couple hundred dollars, anybody can go get a logo designed and you can have 50 or 60 or 70 designers competing for your business. And if you don't like them, you don't have to pay any of them. Wow. I remember a day, believe it or not, where I paid $250 for a logo design, and if I didn't like it, I had to pay another $250 for another logo design. Today, I can go on Fiverr. You can go on Fiverr. Anybody can. And you can get a logo design for $15 or $20, a tenth the price. Labor around the world is competing with the Americans. Pakistan, the Philippines, India. You may not like it, but it's the reality. And that's the world that we live in today. What's the world that our kids are going to be living in tomorrow? If you ever have a chance to look into some of the work of Peter Diamandis, Singularity University out in California, this is a group of people that are looking at the future and they're preparing for the future based on current technology and current trends. And Peter Diamandis, just about maybe a year or two ago, I watched him in an interview where he was discussing a artificial intelligence that they've created that will diagnose within a 99.9% accuracy any patient without the assistance of a real human doctor. Basically, the movie Big Hero 6 that's what they've created. They've created artificial intelligence that can do a checkup and it can do tests and it can determine what is wrong with a patient without human doctor intervention. And this is just the beginning. Just the beginning. Singularity, they say, is within 10 years. I think we may be within five years. That means that our kids are growing up to work in a world where they're competing not just with Americans not just with international people, they're competing with computers. How can our kids compete with computers? Does it mean that computers put everybody out of business? I would suggest no. I would suggest artificial intelligence will not put everybody out of business, but it will change the landscape. And so I come back to the question that I asked just a few minutes ago, how are we to prepare for the future? If artificial intelligence and international competition is the name of the game, if we're going to be working in careers that don't presently exist today, how do our kids prepare for the future and how do we prepare for the future? And I'm going to suggest to you that there's only one answer. There's only one thing that the computer cannot do. 
and that is human creativity. Now, you may be thinking, oh, that's right. All the humans need to be artists. And I'm going to suggest no. Actually, we've seen great art produced by artificial intelligence already. I think we're going to start to see even more amazing designs that artificial intelligence can create. But here's what the artificial intelligence cannot yet do, and it cannot yet be an entrepreneur. The day that artificial intelligence wakes up and it says, I see Mary Jo in Idaho, and Mary Jo has these needs, and I'm going to create a company to solve them. That's the day that the computers can put the humans out of business. But until that time, humans, human beings, we have the opportunity to be entrepreneurs. We have the opportunity to see a need, a human need, and to solve it. And we may solve it with international labor. We may solve it with artificial intelligence, but it's still going to be the role of the entrepreneur, the business owner, the inventor, the innovator. It's still that human who has the unique opportunity to look at the needs of other humans and create something and bring it to market and change the world. I don't think artificial intelligence can ever do that. I was at a Christmas party just this past Christmas with a man who has designed an artificial intelligence that creates software. So you give it some parameters, human parameters, and then the artificial intelligence goes to work and it writes all the software code. So even something such as coding a computer software, artificial intelligence can do. But here's why I suggest artificial intelligence cannot replace the entrepreneur. And it's really simple. Because entrepreneurship in its purest form is, number one, servitude. We are serving other humans with our innovation, with our ideas. And number two, entrepreneurship is creativity. And creativity, while a computer can come up with some algorithms, creativity is a godlike characteristic. It's not something that machines do. Machines don't do creativity. We could give them an algorithm. They could come up with some variability. We could come up with randomness. Sure, we could have creativity in that form that is generated by a machine, but true creativity is a godlike characteristic. Computers are not God. Humans are not God, but we do reflect that godlike characteristic of the ability to create and co create. This is an incredible insight, an insight that everyone should be thinking about for their own lives and certainly for the lives of their children, because it's in embracing this ability to be creative that we can change the landscape, that we can change the world. And it also may be the most important skill that anybody can fester and foster in their own life is the ability to learn how to solve problems for other people, bring it to market and be creative and serve people. We call that entrepreneurship. We call it starting a business that solves a problem. And if you learn how to start a business that solves a problem, you can change the world. I don't believe education is the answer. That's not to suggest that learning is not the answer. Learning is certainly a very important piece. But the education system as we know it today, I'm gonna to go on a limb, I'm going to go ahead and play Nostra, Nostra Jeremy here, and I'm going to suggest that 
15, 20, at least 25 years, if not sooner, by 25 years in the future, the university system as we know it today, I think will have imploded. The cost of education is unapproachable. It's unfair. It's not right. But more importantly, the benefit of the university education system as we know it in America today is broken. And I don't think it's ever going to be able to get caught up. We live in a generation already that can learn more relevant information on YouTube than they can learn in their colleges and universities. I know it's blasphemy, especially coming from somebody who has parents and family members who teaches teaching colleges and universities. But this is what I think is going to happen in the future. More importantly, it's seminars, it's individual learning for specific topics. That's where the cutting edge is going to be. We live in a day and age when the number one transportation company does not own any automobiles. And that is Uber. We live in a day when the number one hospitality company does not own any hotels. That is Airbnb. We live in a day and age when people can learn as much through YouTube for free as they can through a college and university. We live in a day when websites such as Udemy and individuals like myself and TradeSmart University and all these other educators who've come along and put seminars online on the internet so that people anywhere around the world can get access to it. We live in a day when this technology is here and the information is here getting to the front lines faster than ever before. The school system by its very nature is never going to be as cutting edge as a seminar. And now we live in a day and age when the seminar business can deliver, can come up with a concept, deliver it to your living room in less than 30 days. That's an unprecedented time. I think it's the most amazing time in world history for us to be alive. And yet what we're going to see over the next 20 to 25 years is traditional institutions falling apart. Traditional institutions that we have counted on completely being upended because of the new technology, because of the innovation. We're going to start to innovate at such a rapid pace. 15, 20 years ago, whenever I started business, we were creating five-year business plans. Today, two years is the most we could create. We can't create a five-year business plan. By the time you get a year in, five years down the road looks totally different. From the time I started my first major business to within five years, we went from having the iPod had just been born to iPads were the wave of the future. We went from desktop computers in five years, desktop computers and laptops to mobile devices are the number one way that people consume content. And things are just getting faster and faster. If you want to win in the future, if you want to have the edge, if you want to provide for your family, the only answer is to learn how to be a business owner and learn how to be an entrepreneur. That doesn't mean you have to have all the ideas. It doesn't mean that you have to be the perfect business manager. It doesn't mean you have to have all those skills. It just means that you have to learn to play the game differently. That's one of the major reasons Think Rich Radio is here. Hey, 
Hey, everybody, would you like to experience seven breakthroughs that changed my life? If you would, I've put them together for you in a series of videos, and it's available on my website at jeremywhaley.com, jeremywhaley.com. And all you need to do is put your email in there, and I will send you these seven videos about breakthroughs, seven breakthroughs that have changed my life. I think they'll change your life as well. So go check it out over at jeremywhaley.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe on iTunes or on Stitcher or wherever you're listening to this podcast, be sure to subscribe so you can get every episode directly in your iPhone or whatever listening device it is that you are using. Thanks again for being here and I'll see you next time.